Good morning, everyone. It is really good to be here this morning. I want to extend my welcome to all of you, too. Thanks for being in the room here together this morning. Thanks to all of you who are joining us online. Like Jeff said, my name is Carla Chestnut. I'm part of the staff here. If you're interested in knowing more about that next step of getting connected in community, I would love to talk with you about that, so feel free to connect with me. So this morning, we are kicking off a new series. It's called Transformed. Transformed. I want you to think about uh, what comes into your mind when you hear the word transformed or the word transformation. Are you a person who thinks about like a caterpillar and then a chrysalis and then a butterfly? Or are you a person who thinks about Optimus Prime and Bumblebee? What about all the great characters we meet in books and movies and TV shows? And the transformation we get to see happen in them throughout their storyline. I'm thinking about characters like Sam and Frodo from Lord of the Rings, or Anne with an E from Green Gables, or Ross, Chandler, Monica, and Rachel from the TV show Friends. The first thing I want us to just think about when we are thinking about transformation is this, this truth that transformation is real. The goal of this series is to focus on spiritual transformation, but not just like as an idea or a belief or a theology, but as a reality that every follower of Jesus should expect to be caught up in transformation. We should expect to be transformed, to be constantly growing and changing. So at Orchard, we think about it kind of like this. We think we can measure transformation in ourselves, and it kind of looks like this. Transformation is measured by the increasing ability to be loved by God, to return that love to God, to self, and to all the people around you, including your enemies. That's what transformation looks like in a life. And it is the expected outcome of following Jesus. And transformation is a journey. A caterpillar doesn't turn into a butterfly overnight. It takes time. It's a journey that includes the butterfly stage. And every stage of transformation is really important. So transformation is real, and transformation is a journey. And the journey of transformation requires that we show up, that we show up for our lives, that we pay attention, that we are, are actively involved in this process of transformation. So transformation is real, transformation is a journey, and transformation requires that we show up. So hopefully, during this series, you will show up for your life for your journey of spiritual transformation. You'll show up for it a little bit more than maybe you did before. So, just like good books and movies and television are full of characters being transformed, the Bible is also full of people who are on this spiritual journey of transformation. And Peter is one of these people. Peter is a disciple of Jesus, and he first met Jesus as a young man, probably in his late teens or early 20s, and this meeting is recorded in the book of Matthew, and it goes like this. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter 
and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him. Peter's life his journey of transformation is, is, it just unfolds in the pages of the Bible as you read it. And it's a series of successes and failures. A few examples of Peter's successes and failures. So one day Peter's in a boat with a bunch of his friends and Jesus comes walking across the water towards the boat. And Peter hops out of the boat and he begins to walk on water until he just freaks out and sinks, as we all probably would. The night that Jesus was arrested, before he was hung on the cross, Peter, in this incredibly ill-timed attempt to protect Jesus, drew his sword and cut off the ear of a Roman soldier. And Jesus turned to Peter and said, put away your sword. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? Which refers to the death that Jesus is going to endure on the cross. And then just a few hours later, in spite of Peter's bold declarations of his allegiance to Jesus and his willingness to shed his blood to defend him, Peter denies Jesus three times when he's asked if he is one of Jesus' followers. The third time, Peter says, I don't even know the man. These are some of Peter's most famous failures, but then some success. After Jesus' resurrection and upon receiving the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, Peter preached a sermon pointing people to Jesus. And 3,000 of those people decided to follow Jesus as a result. Success. And then a few years later, kind of a mixed success and failure, a few years later, Peter brought the gospel message to a whole bunch of people who'd never even heard of Jesus before. And he convinced them to follow Jesus, a whole bunch of these people. But then right after that, Peter refused to share a meal with them because he was afraid of what his old religious friends would think about him doing that. Peter showed up for his life. And he was transformed by Jesus' grace and Jesus' love through his failures and his successes, both things. So the first reality of transformation is this. People who are being transformed fail as much as they succeed. They fail as much as they succeed. So my question is, is this a stressful idea for you? Failure is part of life. And for some of you in the room, like, that's old news, right? You have really come to terms with the truth of that. But for some of you, you're holding on to the belief that if you do everything right, you won't need to deal with failure. And the truth is, everyone you ever know will let you down in big ways and in small ways. And you are going to let your own self down in big ways and small ways because we are imperfect, failing people, loved by God, and we're the only kind of people that exist. You and I will fail as much as we succeed. It's called showing up for life. That's what's required for transformation. So here's one of my failures. Not only did I do a really ugly thing, but it didn't match who I am or who I want to be. So I live on the river. 
One day I was getting in my kayak and all of these mama ducks with their new golden fluffy baby ducks were swimming in the river and I decided I wanted some baby ducks. And immediately I said to myself, do not do what you are planning on doing. This is a horrible idea. But I got in my kayak, I chased down a mama duck onto land, I snatched up some of her babies. When I stepped on shore, my big old muddy foot stepped on the shore and there was a big bullfrog on the bank. And he was saying to me, don't do it. And I did it anyway. I scooped up these baby ducks and I brought them home. That's, that's a bad story. <laughs> I can't even find my place now. Okay. So this story about just one of my failures is what makes this truth so important to me, that people who are being transformed fail as much as they succeed. People who are being transformed fail as much as they succeed. Now, this is the good news. Jesus knows this. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the writers of the Gospels know it. The writers of the Old Testament knew it. And if you are reading the Bible looking for perfect people to imitate, go read something else. The only perfect one in the Bible is Jesus. So we got that covered. People who are being transformed fail as much as they succeed. So we're going to move forward now in Peter's story of transformation into John chapter 21. So this is kind of the context for this. It takes place after Easter, after Jesus was resurrected from the dead, and Jesus had already appeared to the disciples a few times, usually when they really didn't expect it at all. So this is where we find Peter fresh off denying Jesus three times, and also kind of in a place where Peter isn't sure that Jesus is available to him anymore, or so he thinks. So it starts like this. Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Peter and six other disciples were all together. So I think this is really important. We notice that this story doesn't happen in a quiet room where Peter and his friends are gathered for prayer. It doesn't happen at church. It doesn't happen at a church event or when Peter's having quiet time by himself or when he's in a Bible study. It happens by the sea, which was a pretty normal place for Peter to be. So, this is one of the things I like about this story. Scholars believe that John really included this story for us. I mean, it's an amazing story, but also because it is a picture of how Jesus will reveal himself to people like us 2,000 years later. It's why this is in the Bible. It's for us. So as we interact with the story, I want you to remember that this story is meant to help you anticipate how Jesus is going to reveal himself to you as you're on this journey of transformation, like showing up for your life. So Peter's by the sea with his friends, and Peter says to his friends, I'm going fishing. And his friends said to him, we'll go with you. So if you were Peter... A fisherman, wouldn't you want to do something you know you were good at, like really good at, like fishing? I wonder if Peter was thinking, I let Jesus down in so many ways, and there's nothing I can do about that now, right now, but I know how to fish. Let's go do that. So they went out and got in the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Remember, failure and nothing moments are the perfect environment for transformation. Don't you kind of hate that? 
I do, but it's true. Richard Rohr once said that after age 20, the only thing we really learn from is our failure. So failure, nothing moments like Peter and his friends had where they can't even catch one stinking fish. And to make it worse, they believe Jesus is no longer with them. So I want you to think about this. What does failure look like in your life? What do nothing moments look like in your life? Just take a moment to think about that. In what part of your life do you feel like nothing is happening? Have you ever tried out for a spot on a team, applied to a school, a scholarship, a new job, or promotion, and heard nothing? Came away with nothing? Or maybe it's your marriage that feels like nothing. Or a relationship with someone in your family, just nothing. Or maybe the one thing you want is a friend, and you're just not finding that friend. This is one of my personal nothing failure moments. Uh, Anybody experience failure getting kids off to school in the morning? Like you wake up and you have this vision of a warm breakfast and an unhurried morning, maybe ending in a big hug, and then you whisper a little blessing in the clean ear of your child. And then you, and then, and then they just exit the car happy, only to find yourself using your demon voice, getting the kids out of the house like five minutes late with unmatched shoes and slamming doors. And then there you are like kind of lamely blowing them a kiss as they stalk away from the car. Failure, nothing. Failure comes in so many different forms. But failure and nothing moments are the perfect environment for transformation. And it's not just failing while trying to do something or failing at romance or moral failures like stealing baby ducks from their mom, but it's those times, it's those times when nothing good and plenty of bad comes from your actions. These are the moments the Bible tells us that Jesus reveals himself to us. You can expect it. You can count on it. So back to the story. After a night of fishing and catching nothing, here comes the plot twist. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. That's good news. But the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. And he called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. So Jesus is there, and he's interested in what Peter and his friends are doing. Jesus is on the shore early in the morning, interested in them. And he says, friends, how is the night of fishing? And they don't know it's Jesus. So if this story is in the Bible so that we have a picture of how Jesus will reveal himself to us, 2,000 years later, then it means that Jesus also stands on the shore of your life, on the shore of my life, interested in what we're doing, in our failures, in our success, asking gentle questions of us. Haven't you any fish after a long night of fishing? This is the second thing we know about people who are being transformed. They expect Jesus to be present and interested in their life. Is that hard for you to believe? Is that hard for you to believe? Have you ever thought about Jesus being interested in your life? It's your ordinary life. 
people who are being transformed expect Jesus to be present and interested in their life. So what would it look like for you in your successes and in your failures to expect loving, grace-filled Jesus to be interested in how things are going in your life right now today? Is this your version of Jesus? If you're around Orchard very long at all, or you've been a Christian very long at all, you will be encouraged to encounter and follow Jesus over and over again. So your imagery of Jesus really matters. It matters. It matters if you have a picture of a Jesus who is interested in your life, outside of church, small group, prayer, any churchy kind of thing, interested in your success, in your failure, in your nothing. Jesus is present. So he asks, friends, haven't you any fish? And they say, no, no, we don't. No fish here. So he says to them, cast your net on the other side of the boat. They answer no, and he said, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. It was early in the morning. These guys were tired. They'd fished all night with, they didn't have anything to show for it. They had to think, why does this guy want us to try the other side of the boat? Fishing nets were really heavy and they tangled easily. So have you ever tried to maneuver a heavy, easily tangled object in a boat with seven other people? It's not easy. I can't even get my earbuds out of the case without getting them all tangled up. It's not easy, but these guys did it. They took the suggestion. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. It appears to me that after a really long night of fishing and failure and nothing, these guys were coachable. What in the world? These guys were coachable. And that's my third point I want you guys to think about, is people who are being transformed fail as much as they succeed, they expect Jesus to be present, and they are coachable. Coachable. Do you want Jesus to reveal himself to you? How coachable are you? So what are you going through right now? How do you respond when people you trust, people who care about you, ask, how's it going? Haven't you any fish? How about when you're in the middle of failure? How coachable are you in the midst of failure? Because I know for me, it's easier to run. It's easier to hide. It's easier to pretend like I don't even really care. So I told you the duck story, not because it's my biggest failure, it's a pretty big one, but I told it to you because I received some coaching from my family and my friends when I came home with an armful of little fluffy yellow baby ducks. Some coaching. My friend Kurt Vanderweel had some coaching for me. He said, Carla, I know that you really love and appreciate nature. Why do you have to possess it? Thanks, Kurt coaching 
Just a few weeks ago, I was having a conversation with a friend talking about how everyone's broken, broken and there are no perfect people. And you know what? She mentioned the baby duck incident that happened six years ago. <laughs> Coaching is real. What does it look like for you to be open to a caring coach when you fail? Because the good news is that 2,000 years later, Jesus stands on the shore of our life. And he's wanting to coach us a little bit. So with Jesus as your coach, what would change? What would change in your life? What if you expected Jesus to be interested in your life? You expected him to be gentle and ask important questions. What if you expected Jesus to make suggestions to you? What would that look like? What would change? If you'd viewed Jesus as your coach, would it change the way you read, read the Bible? With Jesus as your coach, would it change the way you pray? Would it change the way you show up for your life when it's hard and when it's easy? Would you begin to turn to Jesus looking for a try the other side of the boat suggestion? Would you trust Jesus to make a suggestion in your life even when you're tired and you don't feel like it? So I want to talk to people in the room right now who've never turned to Jesus as a coach, who've never turned to Jesus for forgiveness or restoration, never turned to Jesus at all. You could do that right now. You could do that when we sing in a few minutes, when we take communion and we hold the bread and the cup in our hands. All you have to do in that moment is give all you know of yourself, your success and your failures to all you know of Jesus. And if you do decide to take that step, will you please tell someone? Because it's something that needs to be celebrated in heaven and on earth. So, I hope that you will take a moment and do that. And if you've been following Jesus for a while, I hope you think about what it looks like to have him as even more of a coach in your life. So Peter and his friends listened to the guy on shore, and they didn't even know it was Jesus they took his suggestion and they caught so many fish they could hardly haul the net in. And then all of a sudden, John, Peter's friend, realizes the guy on the shore is Jesus. And he points to him. And he says, it's the Lord. And this is what happened. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he took off all his clothes and he jumped in the ocean and he made a beeline for Jesus. And the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish. And when they got to shore, Jesus had a charcoal fire going for them. And Jesus said to Peter and his friends, come and have breakfast with me. And he took the bread and he gave it to them and he did the same thing with the fish they had caught. It's a powerful moment. Imagine what that would have felt like. If you trust God, if you trust Jesus to forgive you, to reconcile you to God, if you trust Jesus for your eternity, but you don't think Jesus would make breakfast for you on the beach, you need to take a closer look at Jesus. His life is recorded in the books of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Spend some time in there and get to know Jesus. Because people who are being transformed follow a Jesus who says, come and have breakfast. What did it mean to Peter after he had gone through all the things he went through with Jesus, all his failures when it came to 
saying that he was a Jesus follower, what did it mean to him for Jesus to make breakfast for him on the beach that day? What does it look like for Jesus today, 2,000 years later, what does it look like for us to have breakfast with Jesus on the beach? I'm just going to tell you a few ways that it works for me. When I'm in my kayak, not stealing baby ducks, and I come around the bend in a river, and I get to watch a family of otters playing, and all around me is creation, that's a come and have breakfast moment for me. Or when my friends of 20 years come to my house with a big old Diet Coke, they just show up when my life is hard, that's like a come and have breakfast moment. Or when I get to experience things through my grandkids' eyes, their wonder and their laughter, I say, thanks for breakfast, Jesus. Or when I get to have a really good conversation, like not a surface-level conversation with my grown-up kids. That's a come and have breakfast moment for me. So people who are being transformed follow Jesus, who says, come and have breakfast with me. I will make you breakfast when you fail and when you succeed. Peter was transformed on the beach during that breakfast with that real food, that real bread, the fish prepared by Jesus, and he learned that Jesus was still with him, still present to him, still available to him as his kind and caring coach on his journey of spreading the good news of Jesus. What about you? Have you experienced a come and have breakfast moment? How can you watch for some of these moments in your everyday, ordinary life? Another way it happens for me is when I look at Sean, my husband, and I just kind of am shaken a little bit and say, wow, he's an amazing person and he's really easy to take for granted. Thank you, Jesus, for this come and have breakfast moment. And remember, these things don't have to happen at church or at a religious event. In fact, they might happen. They're most likely to happen in just your everyday life. So, to close, remember that Jesus is on the shore of your life. He's present and interested. Do you recognize him? Jesus will reveal himself to you on your journey of transformation. He wants to be your coach, and he wants to make breakfast for you, whatever that looks like in your life. In a minute, Jeff's going to come up, and he's going to lead us in a time of communion. So this is a really close tie to what happened with Peter and his friends on the beach when Jesus shared the bread and the fish that they had caught and reminded them of his availability, of his presence, of his power, of his forgiveness. So will you pray with me, and then we'll take communion together. God, thank you that you are confident in who you are, that you want more than anything for us to receive your grace and your mercy, your love, and your compassion. You want to take all the areas where we're broken and hurting, where we fail and where we succeed, and you want to grow us. You want to change us. You want to help us understand what it means to have Holy Spirit in our hearts. So we ask now, God, that you would help each one of us take a next step towards you. And we're thankful for anyone who decides that that will be a first step to follow you, to trust you, to, to learn what it means to love you and then love you back. And would you help all of us love the people around us and love ourselves 
and move out of just religious belief into an experience of you in our lives. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.